WRF, Wonderful Radio Flanagan. Go to wrf-podcast.blogspot.com. Listen, comment and enjoy. And now, on with the show. Oh, looky, we're back. Part two of the great American adventure in 1988. So, <clears throat> where were we? Ah, yes, I just arrived in. Uh, I just arrived in Los Angeles, haven't I? Where the lights of the strip mall go marching on from sea to shining sea, and the Walmart sign it stays on all night, making the pool a feed the pool. Well, you're taking the bus to the midnight shift, and you never get to sleep at night. That's okay, cause you'll drink away all your overdue overtime pay. Oh, it's the end of America's dreams. Oh, say goodbye to your middle class <laughs> After that monumental three day tour on the bus across the US of A, meeting all those interesting and wonderful people. So, after such excitement and such drama, um, what did you think I did when I got to Los Angeles? What did you think I did? I slept for about three days, is what I did. <laughs> I, I was coming off, um, I was still jet-lagged um, from from the trip. I'm not really good. That was the first time my first sort of big international flight. And subsequently, since then, over the years, I found out I'm just not very good with jet lag. I just can't cope. Uh, it usually takes me about almost um, six, about, about, about a week almost to get over jet lag. They the say it should take you an hour a day, roughly for us weak mortals. There's lots of you that who have no problems with jet lag, I know, but it just kills me. In either direction, literally, either way. Because some people are okay with losing hours, some people are with gaining hours. <clears throat> I just like don't like getting messed about with hours, basically. So, I got to Paul's apartment. My friend was also called Paul. And uh, I got to Paul's apartment, and uh, I was sleeping on the sofa. I didn't actually care where I slept, I'll be honest with you. And I was, I was just there on the sofa, and he was going out to, to work each day and he kept waking me up and he'd come back in and he'd wake me up <laughs> to see if I was all right and, and for something to eat. Um, <clears throat> yeah, because uh, the, the, the caffeine tablets were also wearing off as well. Remember, I was mainlining caffeine tablets so that I, uh, I wouldn't miss anything on the trip across. And I didn't. However, I missed sleep. So I, I caught up with it for the first few days I was there. And just to make it... Um, easier well it wasn't easy for me it's actually confusing because you know obviously i'm paul and my friend was called paul and uh just to make it easier for his friends and any other uh, business <clears throat> people that we talked to i was known as phil <laughs> so i was phil <laughs> phil flanagan <laughs> i shouldn't laugh but i've probably got a, a relative called philip somewhere Anyway, so uh, yeah, so I was known as Phil, and it took it took a while to get used to it because uh, he had neighbours um, that he was friendly with, you know, that lived in the same apartment block. Now I was introduced to them as Phil, and and of course they would talk to me as and call me Phil, and and I felt like a, I felt like a fraud. <laughs> it was just like really strange having to um, 
uh, actually be somebody else uh, you know be 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 another name be answered to another name um but hey what the hell it didn't last very long because in the end after about a week or something i just couldn't keep it up i said look i'm not phil i'm paul it's i, I can't do this anymore so anyway so here we are part two so part two i'm gonna um concentrate on, on one particular aspect of um what i was doing while i was over there with paul now <clears throat> my friend paul and a partner of his had a party balloon business so they did um uh, helium balloon decorations for parties um, mainly deliveries and also um for uh, people's parties around their houses and in businesses and that kind of thing the balloon the balloon is an inflatable flexible bag filled with gas such as helium hydrogen and oxygen modern balloons can be made from materials such as rubber latex jasmine or even nylon fabric while some early balloons were made from a dried animal bladder. The balloon can be used for decorative purposes such as meteorology, medical treatment, military defence, transportation and also, if you're that way inclined, be exploited to make silly noises for comedic purposes. A balloon's properties, including its low density and very low cost, have led to a wide range of wonderful applications. So. If I can just take one moment to thank Mr. Michael Faraday, 1824, and full of gas, no doubt, for this delightful invention known as the balloon. Thank you. So, uh, my job, <laughs> my job, my job was to um, take a load of leaflets that Paul would give me, flyers, and then he would go and do his day job. He'd drop me off somewhere in the Los Angeles suburbs <laughs> and I just wander around trying to um, deliver uh, you know party balloon flyers and if I got the chance to talk to somebody perhaps draw up some business about party balloons of which I knew absolutely nothing at all um, but there you go so I, I've, I've sold things before I knew nothing about this is what salespeople do <laughs> So I ended up um, walking around some really posh suburbs. I mean, uh, I was on, up in Beverly Hills and various places. And when you're out on the streets, there's only two people that are walking around in the streets during the day in summer. Uh, that's me and um, all these Mexican gardeners. Um, <laughs> it's true. There's Mexican garden crews on various lawns and houses. And it was me walking around and we both kind of nodded to each other in that kind of nodding thing like you know we'd both rather be doing something else <laughs> but you know i was like hey i'm out in the sunshine we don't get the sunshine in the uk i'm staying with my friend paul i've got some flyers it's all good it was all good until i went down this because you have to remember that uh, particularly in the in the in like the Beverly Hills area, where there's be lots of armed guarded houses and things like that. But e even the smaller houses where the where, where the um, you know the common people live, they still have sort of security gates and big gates and that kind of thing. And I still haven't quite got over this um, mailbox thing, you know, where you've got your mailbox on on a stick at the end of your path at the you know by the road. It's like what mailboxes? But thankfully. I was in some areas that were smaller houses, apartment blocks, where you had to go to the door to deliver something. So most of the times you were putting them through a screen door or leaving it on the mat or something like that. Uh, and then sometimes uh, the these houses that 
Um, although they've got a door on the front that's not used for access, you know, it's like a door on the side. So there's this one particular uh, house and door on the side, and there was a big gate there, a really tall gate, tall, which about a foot and a half taller than me, and it had on the sign, "Beware of the dog." Now, I know, I know. <laughs> You're right. No, <clears throat> should I have opened the gate? No. However, you know it was my duty to my friend Paul. I had these flies, and I was gonna deliver a flyer. So, I gingerly, gingerly—it's a funny word, isn't it? Gingerly, carefully uh, opened the gate, and it and it creaked, and it did. And um, I didn't uh, hear a dog. Didn't see a dog. I could see the I could see the door that I had to put the flyer in. I thought ah, it's only about ten feet away. I can do that. And what I saw at the far end of the garden was was a chain, just a loose chain lying all uh, on the ground. Some of it ravelled up in a little pile. So I thought, oh, that's interesting. <laughs> what a fool! <laughs> Wasn't it interesting chain at all? <laughs> so I got down to the uh, to the door of the house and I put the flyer through the door and the flap went. Pitching. Well. That was enough, and I didn't. I, I, I heard what sounded like this this animal, this thing from hell, and it was going. And I heard this thing, and I just looked to my right, and I saw the chain unraveling, right? and I saw it, it was looping as if the chain was coming towards me, and the growling started to get a lot louder, and I thought, oh my god, I'm going to die, and I turned and I legged it, and it was only about fifteen feet to the gate, and. And I managed to get through the gate. And this thing, whatever it was, because I never saw it, whatever it was, was out on my heels like the devil. <laughs> and I got through the gate and I shut the gate behind me. And this thing hit the gate like like an express train. It was like, and it was like, you know, Tasmanian devil. <laughs> I was shitting myself. <laughs> I was on the other side of the gate. I sat on the pavement on this bloke's driveway. And I was like, oh, my God. I was just like that, and this Mexican gardeners across the road just looking think, and thinking to themselves, yeah, yeah, yeah. Even then, you won't beware of the dog meant. Yes, that was um, <clears throat> that was my first and only time, or my first and last time as well, that I, I took a, a flyer down the side of a house that said, beware of the dog. Because strangely enough, there's usually a dog there. <clears throat> but still, it was nice to get out and about. I did actually um, go to some... Uh, Strange place. Oh, I found a, found a few nice pubs actually along the way. Um, I think there's one pub. What was it called? It was down in Santa Monica, um, the Irish Rover Pub or something. It was called. It was a theme pub. Let me think. What was the theme? Oh yeah, it was Irish. Yeah. <clears throat> At that time, and I can't say what it's like now, even if it's still there. But I do remember it was very like pro IRA. <laughs> it was ridiculous, really. Had had like a fake road sign from the Falls Road in there, you know, Belfast Falls Road, and uh, a few Irish people in there as well. So uh, it was blistering hot, and as we know, you know, mad dogs and Englishmen out in the midday sun. So I went into the bar for a drink, um, and a beer, and uh, got talking to a you know a couple of guys there, and uh, oh yeah, what are you doing? Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm I'm over here. I'm helping my friend out. 
And uh, this guy says, well, we di we, did you think of maybe staying permanently? And I said, yeah, well, I mean, I could do, but I haven't, you know, I, I don't have a green card, do I? I mean, you know, I need a green card to work. <laughs> and he produced some documentation out from his pocket. Um, and basically the, the story was that he was going to sell me this whole green card application, all these documents and things for a couple of hundred dollars. Now, <clears throat> you know, I'd never seen these documents before. They all look quite official. They all look like the kind of thing that you would have to, um, you know, fill in and then you would get back and then whatever. Um, yeah, but unfortunately, all the documentation was made out to um, uh, some big, long Mexican name. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to make fun of big, long Mexican names, but quite frankly, I did not look Mexican. Let's put it that way. <laughs> um, so I declined that kind offer. Uh, it's very decent of him, but uh, I, I just thought, you know, do you know what? I might just have a holiday. I might just see what I can get out of it, but I, I definitely don't want to buy any dodgy, um, you know, work permit documentation. So I never did, but I did find some nice bars. That was a good one. And um, there was another one, the Drum or something, was it, on Santa Monica Pier? I don't know. There's some nice bars down Santa Monica. Anyway, uh, yeah, so that's what I found when I was out and about walking around, uh, you know, helping my friend Paul deliver his um, flyers. Um, one of the best little places that I managed to wangle my way into, and it was like just just like you see in the movies, I'll describe this thing, and it was the, I think it was the Beverly Hills Yacht Club. I'd, I'm not quite sure what Yacht Club building was doing nowhere near water, but it was Beverly Hills Yacht Club. And uh, it was a big security gate, and you couldn't get in. You just could not get in. Big security gate, guard on the gate, you know, uh, thing, and um, press the buzzer, get buzzed in. So I thought, how am I going to do this? Because I thought, you know, if we can get some parties or some deals, or, or even the club itself, you know, to have a party balloon decoration, then, um, you know, we could uh, make lots of money out of this. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, <laughs> as if as if some guy walking around with a rucksack on and, uh, and t-shirts and shorts, you got to pay any kind of business attention to. Uh, the the only plus thing that I had for me while I was over there was being English, because um, it was still at that time when uh, everybody just like loved an English voice. They're just like oh dreamy. Um, yeah. <laughs> some people thought I was Australian. What the hell. Anyway, so uh, back at the um, the Beverly Hills Yacht Club. So this big car comes along, presses the buzzer to go in. The guy comes out, looks at the car, opens the gate. And then I do what all the best detectives do in TV series. I actually hunched down by the side of the car and like shuffled in as the car went in through the gates. And then the car turned off one way and I walked off down the other way. <laughs> so I was inside. And unfortunately, it was a big, long drive. So I walked up this drive along the edge of it. And because uh, once you're in, you're in, and nobody pays any attention to you. Uh, so I actually walked into the big, uh, to the main building, into the sports place. And uh, you've got to have a bit of brass uh, to do this kind of thing. So I immediately walked towards an open door, uh, you know, to give the impression that I knew where I was going. <laughs> and um, I walked into some big meeting. <laughs> <laughs> which is just slightly embarrassing so so then I backed out and I went to the reception desk and then the receptionist asked me uh, you know who I was what I was doing so I uh, I whipped it out uh, one of the flyers I explained you know I'm representing a party balloon company and um, blah de blah de blah <clears throat> and she said oh that's interesting would you like to go into that room over there which is a very small office and I'll get the entertainment director 
I thought, oh, that's, that's all quite official. So um, this guy came in, who I presume was the entertainment director <laughs> and the security guard. <laughs> so, so the entertainment director gave me, oh, I don't know, 30 seconds of his valuable time. <laughs> and they said, oh, yeah, I'm probably belong. Yeah, 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 yeah. Rather like, um, you know, Charlie Brown's school teacher. Wah, 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 wah. So give him the flyer. He looked at the flyer. He looked at me. And then he looked at the guard. <laughs> and then I was, uh, how can I say, escorted off the premises. <laughs> so uh, maybe my picture's still on the wall there. You know, maybe I'm still barred. But um, we didn't get any business off, off them. They never phoned back, which is a shame, really, because it, it would have been quite fun. Uh, I did. Uh, Paul had already got one booking um, before I got over there. And it was for the um, Navy League ball. At the US Navy League, so the Navy League ball in um, Century City. And now it's kind of, kind of like all these sort of cities and things. They're all like big conglomerations of what I thought to be one massive uh, conurbation was the word I was looking for. We did that in geography, conurbations. Uh, I thought it was all massive one Los Angeles conurbation. I thought Century City was just like an extension of it. But maybe it's a separate city, who knows. But anyway, so the Navy League ball at Century City. And um, we arrived there hours beforehand because we had to. There was like... 20 or 30 of these huge big you know round tables in this ballroom so on each of the tables we had to put a spray of uh, party balloons in the middle of them and then um, at the entrance to the ballroom uh, we then had to do um, an archway now I learned so much about you know things to do with party balloons and and also the um uh, what's the the metal ones called mylers my is it M Y L A R S Milers, and uh, you you can fill them up with helium, but then <clears throat> you need to seal them with a little heat sealer thing, basically welding up the uh, the end of the balloon, because you have to be careful otherwise they pop. And uh, I did lose a few Milers, and they were quite expensive. But uh, but no, and I, I learnt um, uh, ways to make an archway. So to make an archway with the balloons, uh, what you do is you. Uh, put a piece of string on the floor put your ribbon or whatever it is on the floor that's going to make the arch you then um, have other ribbons of different lengths okay and you tie them from um, is it smallest from the outside longest to the inside or, or to the middle of the of the rope then you fill your balloons full of helium and you tie them to all those ropes then you get the two ends of the, the big rope that you've got on the floor the big ribbon and then those are the two ends that you anchor to either side of the door. And as if by magic, the balloons then float up to the height of the length of the thing. And it makes an arch. You, I tell you what, the first time I did one of those, I, I impressed myself, you know, building archways. Uh, I thought it was pretty cool. <laughs> well, I thought it was cool. <laughs> I don't care if you don't think it was cool. It was, it was fun. It was magic. That's what it was. It was magic. And there were certain 
uh, not so much in the Navy League ball uh, one, but we, we did all the tables. We just got it done, actually. We did all the tables. We did the archway and stuff like that. And then uh, people started to arrive. Uh, Paul got paid and um, we went for a drink. <laughs> um, we, did somebody, we did somebody's house, actually, an English couple that were leaving to go uh, to come back to England. And uh, we did a, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they had, a, had a gig at a French restaurant, uh, Jutador. I think it was actually called that. Oh my God, avec fromage, s'il vous plaît. Jutador, huh? I think it was called. And and then over to their house, same sort of thing. They had some tables out, little sprays of balloons on there, arch near the swimming pool. It was it was it was all rather nice. I also learned that um, <laughs> two things that one. At the time, my friend Paul had really long hair and he couldn't go delivering um, party balloons looking like a hippie. So he used to wear a hat and took his hair up underneath, which ma then made him look like some sort of strange communist sympathiser. I, I don't know, but it, it, it looked quite peculiar. And the other thing was um, there were laws there about, um, you know, you think you have problems with drones now. There was laws about uh, objects flying in the sky or being released. So every spray of uh, balloons that we did, we had to put a weight on the bottom of them so that they could safely sit on a table without taking off. You know, they could stay stationary by themselves. So we used to do this thing uh, where he'd get some um, tin foil. So we'd put a square of tin foil on the table and pour some sand into it and then scrunch up the tin foil and tie it with a little bit of string. And then that would be the weight that would sit on the bottom of the, um, of the, bottom of the balloon so that it wouldn't fly away. I tell you, it's it's really really fascinating stuff. It's a pity that um it's a pity I came home because um uh, you know in the end it was uh it would have been quite fun to uh, you know carry on helping with the party building business. I got to learn uh, different uh, areas of Los Angeles. That was quite nice. I got to meet some interesting people. Um, but uh, yeah, I did that for most of the time that I was there with Paul on and off in between going off to various places. Um, uh, <clears throat> you know, basically playing the tourist, and uh, funny, I met a lot of most of the, most of the interesting people I met in bars. <laughs> Why is that? Do you think? Anyway, so um, rapidly coming to the end of part two of the Great American Adventure, nineteen eighty-eight. Um, yeah, so that was me and my friend Paul and his party building business. So stay tuned because at some point in the future, I will do uh, part three of this great American adventure in summer 1988, where we shall take a little uh, closer look at what did Paul do for touristing. OK, bye-bye now. And that's the end of the show from WRF Wonderful Radio Flanagan in all the posh podcast places and at wrf-podcast.blogspot.com I hope you enjoyed the show. I know I did. And I'll catch you next time on WRF. <laughs>